we have our own way of doing things. So be a woman without trying to kind of get in the man's world. There's nothing wrong being a true female. You do not have to be a male copy. Find your personal style, find your brand and support your own brand. But be a first class female. You're listening to Femcanic Garage, the podcast that features women in the automotive and motorsports industries. A community that elevates, empowers, and evolves by smashing stereotypes and breaking down barriers for women. I'm your host, Jamie Blossman. Buckle up for the ride, Femcanics. Petra Schroeder graces the driver's seat today. She was born in Wuppertal, Germany, and started her career in 1969 working for a chemical company called Herberts in Germany as a color, product, and brand manager. In 1999, Herberts Standoffs was acquired by DuPont. After 47 years, Petra retired in July of 2016, but decided early on to stay involved and engaged in the collision repair industry as the collisionista. Sit back and enjoy Femcanics. Welcome Femcanics. I have Petra Schroeder in the driver's seat. How are you doing, Petra? Excellent this morning. Thank you very much for having me. It's my pleasure. I'm so excited for this interview. Your story is so infectious and your enthusiasm around it. I just love your perspective. I feel honored that uh, you take a little bit of time out of your schedule to sit down and talk to the Femcanic community to help understand your world a little bit and bring a vast amount of knowledge to this community. If I'm being perfectly honest, Petra, when just reading about your background, there's so many different ways this interview can go. You have over 47 years worth of industry experience that is very relevant to the audience of, of the Femcanic community. I think I know exactly where I want to take this interview. You are an extremely humble person. You come from a place of wanting to give and help other people. That came through loud and clear. We, we met in person at the WIND conference. It came through loud and clear during the pre-interview that your passion is helping other people and particularly helping women get into this industry and feel welcome in this industry. And I think that's the direction and platform I really want to give you. So why don't we jump right into it? Now, there is a long version and there is a shorter version. For this morning, I think I go for the shorter version. So I'm a trade woman, I can say. And I used to work for a German paint company by the name of Herberts in Germany since 1969. And this company got acquired by DuPont in 1999. Uh, and then the paint division got sold to Carlisle, who formed Axada Coding Systems. And uh, during my journey that started in Germany, I transferred to the United States in 1995 with my job. And I retired in July 2016 after 47 years with basically the entire career in just one company on different continents, in different cultural environments, and after two acquisitions. I imagine you were typically one of the few women in those meetings. Yes, correct. Um, and to me, that was not an unusual situation because I didn't know any better. 
So I really never thought of, well, I'm the only woman uh, and, and I never really took exception to that. It was appreciated by many of my male colleagues who started saying, you know, in meetings, uh, there is a different tone all of a sudden in our conversations. Our colleagues and mainly male colleagues would still say what they think, but all of a sudden the tone was different. There was more respect to each other. There was more of a polite uh, conversation going on uh, in such meetings and the leadership personality of a female is different than that from a man. And that was what was fed back to me, highly appreciated. <laughs> I love that. So you started off there. Where did you go to next? What was next in your journey? I like the word journey because it really is that that whole piece that I had behind me and I still have in front of me by being active in the current collision repair industry. So my journey took me from a color service perspective, uh, product management, brand management in Germany, where there is strict rules and uh, strict organizations and structure to the United States. Uh, I transferred to Michigan and it was a different culture, as I said before. Not that it's bad or, or good or indifferent, it's just different. So getting used to the American way of working with each other, saying what I think, sharing good feedback and not so good feedback, it was not always appreciated in the beginning. Once I explained to my team why I also shared not so good feedback, not to put somebody down, but to help all of us to improve. Uh, that was one of the milestones that I can remember that people came up to me and said, you know, uh, we didn't appreciate this in the beginning, but it is good to receive feedback to improve. So the US culture has helped me to be more mild in what I'm saying, but still bring my message across. If I want to say something, I will, as long as it's respectful and uh, not putting somebody down. I, I want to see if I'm interpreting what you're saying. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to poke fun here a little bit. So if, sure. if I'm hearing you, when you came to the United States, did, did you feel that some people... Um, considered you like too straightforward or almost brash or too direct? Is that what you're oh, saying? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And, and when we get together now and we reminisce about uh, my early years in the United States, we all laugh about this, but I'm sure that my team in the beginning did not laugh about this, but it was really, <laughs> we, our upbringing in Germany is ask a question if you have to, uh, do it respectfully, uh, be polite, and do not uh, make somebody angry or put somebody down. Uh, just ask the question. And this is not what I experienced in this country in the beginning. Now everybody knows me. I will ask a question. I will provide a comment, like it or not, but I will provide that. I will do that. So yes, your assumption is absolutely correct. That That's fascinating to me. So you you came to the United States, 
you went through this transition period of really settling into the United States culture. So continue your, your story. Well, um, I had different uh, positions in this country. Um, always liked best to be with people and deal with people at all levels and all segments uh, in all development stages. So my job positions, whether it was the product manager or the brand management, uh, lately then also industry relations for Axalta and DuPont, uh, that really broadened my horizon so much by getting so much other um, comments and involvement and, and ideas. Uh, this is something that I appreciated the most in my American career, which also lasted like almost 24 years. And the, the people connection, I think, is one of the strengths that I apply to myself. But I also want to say that almost all females have that particular aspect as part of our personalities. We are the caring people. We are the, the people that are truly interested. If I ask you, Jamie, um, how are you? I know there was something that bothered you or you had a healing issue or a, a sickness and I will wait for your answer and I will not forget what your answer was. And going back to our, what I started to say, I think this is a, a trait that females specifically have and that is very healthy for a business and of course also personal relationships. I couldn't agree with you more, Petra. It, it really does bring a different dynamic. I'm often approached by men that want to be supportive of women in the industry. And sometimes they struggle with figuring out, you know, where, where do we start? I'm, I'm bringing this up because not only do females listen to this podcast, but so do men. And I think there's this education with the podcast that I think is critical or listeners, around the little things that can be done that women can ask for and the things that men can hear and be accommodating. You've traveled over 2 million miles during your North American time. That's correct, yes. You have been in a lot of shops. You, you are not the pencil pusher that sits behind a desk. You are out in the field getting to know these folks, really understanding their world. And you brought up a simple, simple thing that, to be honest, I didn't even really think about. But as soon as you brought it up, just was like, oh, yeah, duh. And that was the calendars and the explicit pictures of women that are in garages sometimes. Yeah. And where you have gone places and suggested, hey, if you want your female counterparts to feel potentially feel a little more comfortable, maybe it's time to take those down. But maybe not in the place of business. Maybe you have it in your personal garage. Yes. Uh, and that's a, a very uh, drastic example. And it takes a little while to build a relationship with somebody to bring this up in a way that is not hurting a relationship and it's building improvement on both sides. Mm -hmm. So what I would usually start saying is after I've built a relationship, um, by the way, if, if you look at this calendar over there or this picture over there, 
would you want your wife or your daughter to work in an environment that pictures women like this? And then many ways and many times people would say, hmm, good question. And then they would start a conversation and that would give me a chance to basically say, um, if 50% of today's labor pool are female and we want to tap into that and make them uh, feel comfortable, I think we need to prepare on both sides what that means. And the calendar piece on the shop side is one thing, but there's also the other side that we as females bring into a shop that we need to be respectful and set expectations on both sides, how we work together the best way and really improve both sides. I hope that answers your, your question. No, I, and as you always do uh, with elegance and perfection around it. Yes, it absolutely does. And and I didn't mean to go off on a tangent. It's just um, things you say are so relevant. So pl please continue with your, your journey. Well, something that uh, really struck me in the United States culture is it's so easy to make connections because you are used to greet each other by your first name, which to me is having grown up in Germany and in the structure, you could work with somebody for 30 years and you would still say Mr. and Mrs. Miller, Smith, whatever their name is. And it was not, it is not easy. It wasn't easy, I should say, in the past to get to somebody's first name. In the United States, you greet somebody and they introduce you by uh, your first name which already creates some kind of connection. Now, I have always taken this trusting me with your first name as I don't take this lightly. I really appreciate you as a person. So really being seriously and truly interested in a person is I think what I, what I created a brand for myself. Um, my name today is connected with respect with acceptance, with uh, the warm, welcome feeling without being soft or, or weak. This has nothing to do with each other, but the, this is something that I will always capture in my heart or keep in my heart from my American life, uh, this easy connection and then deepen it from there and build lasting relationships that started maybe as a business, but they go much, much deeper than just business. And I can give you plenty of examples where this still applies today. I, I love it. Petra, what do you hope that the listeners get out of your message? Can we start with your nickname? Uh, sure. I love it. <laughs> the nickname is Collisionista. And uh, when I retired from Mark Salta in 2016, there was no title. Not that I am necessarily keen on having a title, but if you attend any industry event, if you register for anything, there's always this title uh, line. A good friend of mine, a good industry friend of mine, um, he had this name collisionist on his business card. And I said to him, John, this is a great thing 
would you mind if I created the female version and called myself Kuligenista? And he left and said, no, go all ahead, go right ahead. I mentioned it two or three times uh, in, in meetings and I had it on my business card and everybody said, that's perfect. That's exactly what, what describes you. So Kuligenista is my nickname, yes. I, I love it. I, I figured it's a great precursor to the million dollar question, Petra. You yeah. have an audience of next generation females and females that are currently in the industry. You, you, are, you are no stranger to the field and what these environments are like for women out in the field. And you have an opportunity to bundle up best practices, the best advice that you can give these young women. What would you say to them? That is a good question, and I appreciate the opportunity to talk openly with my German mindset. So I just say how I feel it, how I have implemented this for myself. And I want to start with the three things that I mentioned before. The first is acceptance, expectations, and then respect. So now you can argue which comes first. And I think. When I started in 1969, there was not much of this taught to me. It was just, and there was no sequence in acceptance, expectations, respect, which comes first. I think uh, I learned very quickly that to set expectations is one thing to have everybody do the best they can. So the expectations, uh, for example, for somebody to want to come into this industry is yes, females are much more accepted today than they have ever been. And there are some segments out in the industry like rental car companies, insurance companies, they really appreciate the female perspective and they employ a lot of females. Go, let's go back to the body shop uh, piece of this one. I think if you are looking for a job in a body shop, look for those signs that tell you whether the, this particular workplace is experienced or welcoming females. It starts with, you already discussed this, the calendar. It may go on um, how clean the shop is, uh, how nicely dressed, and some people may smile about this, the, the, employ the employees are, uh, how does the teamwork work, uh, and just set your expectations, what you expect from this job to be, and ask your potential employer what his or her expectations are of you. And that basically sets the stage for uh, whether this might be a good fit or rather not. Then the second piece is the acceptance and respect piece. We sometimes want to command to get respected. And this is not how it works. You, everybody, we can only earn respect. We cannot demand respect. So to be accepted in a workplace, and do your job, this is the first step to on the way to respect. But the respect comes on a longer term. It cannot be there overnight. Like I said, it has to be earned, and all of us have to get used that this is the way it works. Now, back in 69 or in the mid-70s or even the 80s, I still went into situations where I was kind of um, respected. But the acceptance was not necessarily there because when I traveled with a male, a male colleague, sometimes it was automatically assumed that I was an assistant or the secretary or something. 
when in fact it was the other way around. In none of these situations have I said, hey, I'm the one you have to talk to. I'm the one who is in charge. I never said this and I never will. They will find out over time what the situation is. And instead of embarrassing somebody by saying, hey, you have to talk to me or I'm the one uh, that, that caused the shot, let it grow and let these people find out that you are the person who is in charge. You're the shot caller. <laughs> so I want to ask you a quick question. Sure. Has it always been that way for you? Because when I think of my younger self, my younger self wanted to demand that. Like, my God, have I not paid my dues? Now, my older self now, I, I'm like right in par with you. When you were younger, was there some of that fire in you where it's like, gosh, this is kind of annoying? Good question, and the answer very clearly is no. Um, I did never get annoyed. I probably was smiling, uh-huh. and uh, I think I shared with you in a previous interview, if there's a difficult situation, a smile goes a long way, and how you handle situations is your business card. Uh, your smile could be your logo. And and the smile makes things like this much much. Wait, easier. I gotta pause. That that's like almost that's like a hashtag. <laughs> that's a hashtag moment right there. Your smile <laughs> is your logo. Oh my god, that's brilliant, Petra. You're full of these one-liners. It goes okay. along. It goes a long way. Um, you, if if you ever walk through an airport, and again, I have those more than two million miles in those twenty-four years here in the United States. If you walk through an airport and you walk across a a crowd that's coming towards you, have you ever tried to smile at somebody who you have no idea what she she or she is? Nine out of 10 times, you will get a smile back. Oh, did I know this woman? No, I didn't, but I smile anyway. So that's one of the reasons why I keep smiling. And we shared in in a pre-interview, if I have a difficult situation, I really try hard to get myself into a happy space and have a smile on my face, make me laugh so I can project this. And I even a phone call, a happy voice is a happy voice. And you can feel that almost over the phone. I totally agree. I do have one more question out of pure curiosity. Sure. So I'm, I'm, I'm imagining you out in the field and you not saying anything, you just continue to stay engaged in the conversation. In time, they actually end up figuring out, maybe it's even after, maybe it's after you leave, what your true title is. <laughs> what <laughs> I'm sitting here laughing like they, like, did anyone ever like call you back and apologize or, or like what kind of reactions did you get once they finally pieced it together? Specific answer to did somebody ever call you back is no, not that I remember. And in conversations at dinner or um, in, in like a, in a social, more social setting, people may have said something. But this was never really important to me. Um, so I really don't remember much of it. Uh, it was never important whether somebody said, hey, I, I apologize or that that was never important to me. And I just want to call this out. I think it's brilliant. I think it's amazing. And I think it's a great lesson for young entrepreneurs coming up, 
right? That is true mentorship and leadership in my mind. You, you don't need that. You just do exactly what you're saying. You, you earn it and you don't have to come in and throw around titles. Thank you very much. I, I truly appreciate it. Uh, that gives me an opportunity to mention something. I think I briefly said it before. Without wanting this or without the intention to do that, I think I created a brand and the brand is called Petra. When you talk to me, when you talk to Petra, you will get the same, the same personality. You get the same thing over and over and over again. Can I be disappointed? Yes. And I will let you know that I'm disappointed, but I will not yell at you. I will not be swearing. You will never hear me swear. You will never hear my voice go up. In fact, if I am disappointed, my voice is probably lower than what it usually is. And my eyes may give away that I'm not happy. But I, will, I can be disappointed and I will let you know. I'm, if I'm happy, I will let you know. And you can expect the same behavior over and over and over again. So if you ask me, tell me the truth. Well, I will tell you the truth, but not many people like the truth. Going back to having built a brand, I think I did build a brand by, with, with my name. Everybody knows Petra is a brand and this brand behaves in this way. And if I do this, this brand is going to do this. If I do this, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's the continuation or the, um, the consistency that I, I a brand it has to have and um i i should have probably trademarked the name petra i don't know <laughs> i love it why why shouldn't we <laughs> our, our own personal names we are unique and I, I that is such an important lesson uh that my younger self didn't get is my internal brand my brand jamie blosman petra schroeder it, fill in your name what I've often heard too, Petra, is, is, you know, what people say to your face doesn't really matter. It's what they say when no one else is around and they're just talking to one other person. What do you, that's your true brand, is what they say about you when you're not around. I'd like to add to this one, and I can truly, truly appreciate that. I had the luck and fortune to get married late in my life for a second time. Uh, we got married in 2016. So sometime in early 2016, I started to introduce my uh, husband or husband-to-be to my industry colleague. And my husband, sometimes I was in the conversation and sometimes I was not because I would introduce him to somebody and then leave him alone while he was comfortable and then did my own networking. Some 15, 20 minutes later, he, we would talk and he would say, people tell me the same thing about you over and over and over again. Did you talk to them? And I said, Rick, I have no idea who you, who you were going to be introduced to. So no, but again, this confirms this person is a brand. And every, if everybody says the same thing about you, something must have gone right in my behavior to basically tell my husband what they think about 
cetera. And uh, so when we have these situations now where he's getting introduced to people that he hasn't met before, he says sometimes, I know exactly what's coming. I know what you're going to tell me. And it's, it's an ongoing joke between, joke between us that he says, I know what they are going to tell me. I know this already. And this is probably one of the biggest compliments that a human can have, that people talk to you in the exact same way um, all across the country, uh, all around the world, I can say. And, and looking back and your questions made me think about this more and make me feel extremely happy about that accomplishment. And, and this is probably the biggest accomplishment that, that I can, that I can uh, cite here. If I were in your shoes, I'd be incredibly proud of myself. <laughs> and, and this is another thing, another lesson for all of us women is confidence. Don't confuse confidence with being conceited. And there is nothing wrong with being confident and loving yourself. This is the key, one of the key things that I think is important for us women to hear and understand. And I've said it before and I'll keep saying it is that conceit is very different than confidence. And being conf there is nothing wrong with being confident, and there is certainly nothing wrong with loving ourselves. And sometimes as females, we attack other females just because she's displaying confidence. And I'm not saying all the time, but we, we have to stop doing that and stay focused on empowering each other. And just because there is a strong, confident woman doesn't mean they're conceited. Good point. And uh, I probably would like to contribute one uh, real life example. And that is, and I didn't have this when I was young. I was always trying to help people and, and encourage people to go above and beyond their, their current situation. But in a management position where I always had female, more females in my group, in my team than males, I will always, I was always supportive of everybody, but I would encourage females to open their mouth and say and speak up, even if they didn't feel entitled to this. One time, and uh, if she listens, she knows exactly what I'm talking about. A very uh, smart young lady that really didn't speak with confidence. And that had to do, in my view, with how she, her body language talked or didn't talk well. She is tall and she kind of crunched her shoulders uh, when she was talking, which was taking away um, the impact that what she said had to her audience. So in a um, um, kind of an interview about her performance, which we had on a regular basis, and once we had built a relationship, I would say, hey, I'd like to say something that is not easy for me to say, and it might hurt you a little bit, but I still want to say this because I think it's important for us to discuss it. And I explained what I just said, and I said, if you can... If you can stand up, even you're tall, and you stand up and you say the same thing with no difference, ask yourself, film yourself, ask your husband what an impact that has, what different impact this has. And I said, if you want me to, we, you and I can have a secret sign 
that only you and I will know, and it's not raising my hand widely or something, it will be a subtle sign when I hear you or see you talk and you crunch your shoulders, you see the sign and then just open up. Again, when we meet now, sometimes we reminisce and she says today, this was such an opening of my mind of just showing uh, my body language in a much more positive way. So this uh, helping women to be confident, but also showing the confidence by your body language is equally important. I wasn't too long of an account. That is such critical information to share. Having and 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 it's interesting, Petra. I'm having these similar conversations with my daughter, where she's tall. She's 11 years old and she's five four and wears a size 10 shoe already, and she like shrinks. I don't know how other way to describe it, but kind of shrinks. And I'm like, no, pull your shoulders back. You know, pull your shoulders back, pull your chin up and look people in the face. And when you're walking, walk with your shoulders back and look around. Just look around. And to your point, smile. But don't stare. When you're walking, don't ever stare at the floor. Look up and look around because what you're doing unknowingly is inviting people to approach you. Yes. And even to the point where uh, it can even be a dangerous situation that you are identified as a potential victim. Yeah. The way you walk, the way your body language speaks uh, has a lot to do with um, how people like judge you, whether you might be an easy target. I'm not saying it's all, but it's I agree. a role in social security as well. I so agree with you, Petra. And and when I walked around, I went to Ohio State University, one of the largest campuses. And there was actual research around that, that um, women who walk with their shoulders back in a confident way with their eyes up, looking around, scanning, is actually far safer than staring at the ground. Rehash the top three things that you want to talk about to bring our, our listeners along on this journey again. Expectations is one of them, right? Respect, acceptance. I think I want to put this in one. And then the, the third one is kind of uh, our own uh, behavior. Um, and I want to go a little bit more into detail with the third one. Say the third one again, Petra. Behavior, our personality, our 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 own self, how we can help again based on my own personal experience, yep. how we can help to get accepted and respected. And I want to start with the one sentence that has been with me since nineteen eighty two, eighty three, something around this area. Somebody very, very important in my life at that point, when I was much younger, said, realizing I was going into a male-dominated industry and traveling and, and taking more responsibility and management and stuff like this, he used to say to me, never try to copy a man or don't be a second-class man, always be a first-class woman. And that has stuck with me. I have to say that again, Petra. (laughs) I was so hoping you would say that in this. If not, I was going to totally bait you into saying you shared that in a free interview because it just is powerful. Don't be a second-class man. 
be a first class. Oh my gosh, it's brilliant. Thanks. And at that point, it probably didn't mean to me as much as when I look back now. But what it really does is, um, and this is where I want our audience to hopefully agree to this, females have own styles. We have our own personalities. Uh, we have our own way of doing things. So be a, be a woman, be a female without overdoing it. Um, be a female without trying to um, kind of get in the man's world by having you swear, using foul language, uh, your dress code, the way you behave in critical situations. There's nothing wrong being a true female. You do not have to be a male copy. Be a female, but do it with class and do it with consistency. Find your personal style, find your brand, and support your own brand. But be a first-class female. Oh, I love it. That's so powerful. That, that, in a nutshell, is the Femcanic brand. It's the reason why I came up with Femcanic. It was very intentional to females can mm-hmm. femininity. We can embrace our femininity. It, that is okay. Yep. I, I love it. <laughs> And the, the other piece uh, that I, I am really, um, I, I really want to drive is our behavior in this male-dominated industry. We have to sometimes let things go when inside of us, we want to say, hey, you can't do that to me. Hey, you can't treat me like this. I agree that there are situations where we have to say something but find the ground that opens up a conversation and just not don't let us do this in an emotional state. If this happens to us, we should step back a little bit and prepare a situation where we can say, hey, so-and-so, uh, remember a few minutes ago we had this conversation or yesterday this situation happened. Would you have the time to talk with me about this? Here is what I saw happening. Here is my, how I perceive this. Here's how I feel about this. What is your perception? What do you feel? What do you think about this? Opening a conversation and kind of being able to have a discussion, bring your point across, and then come to a solution, hopefully. And I realize it's not going to be 100% solution-oriented. That's not possible. But instead of saying, hey, you can't do this and you're not supposed to do this and there's this law and this law that don't, don't do this, just let us open a conversation and talk about it and get the, the uh, view from the other person's uh, situation and then open a conversation and talk about it. This is how I felt my own, from my own experience, you can address most any most any situation most every situation and i do not only do this in business i've carried this also into my personal life maybe my personal life was even earlier than my business life i will address any situation but i will pick the time when i do it and how i do it and i think that's the key distinction there and it's not that you're saying not to address it by saying let it go it's really take a moment and breathe. 
And that breath may be a day. It may be minutes. It may be an hour. It may be a week, but you still address it. It's just a matter of stepping back and reflecting so that it creates a space and environment to have an open dialogue of potentially more potentially understanding and openness opposed to defensiveness. Yes. And uh, one, one more thing that I, I wanted to um, bring up, and this is uh, apologizing. And <laughs> I play a lot of tennis. And so in doubles, I hear my partner sometimes say, I'm sorry, I apologize. I'm sorry, I apologize. And I have learned over the last just to be months. clear, Petra, your partner is a female? Yes. I know uh, they can be co-ed as well. Partner is a female, yes. In a mixed doubles, that doesn't happen. <laughs> it happens in, in, in ladies' doubles, yes. And um, since I have steady uh, female doubles partners now, uh, again, I had this uh, relation built where I was able to say um, in, in before a game or after a game and say, look, if you don't hear me say sorry or apologize, it's not that I'm not sorry or I don't want to apologize, but I do, if I say this, I'm sorry, I do two things. I do something bad to myself because if I say I'm sorry, it triggers that to my, to my thought process, I've done something wrong or I didn't do my best. That affects me. It has an effect on you, but it has an effect on my opponents as well. When they hear I say I'm sorry, then they have the upper hand. And so you will not hear me on the court saying I'm sorry. And some of my uh, steady uh, female doubles partners, they um, smile at me now when they sometimes say I'm sorry, but they know exactly how I feel about this. So this apologizing, I think, is also a female trait, which I'm not saying is wrong, but we say it too often. We say, I apologize for what I'm saying. No, we shouldn't. We just say, what I'm saying now might be a little abrupt or, or, or drastic, but hear it what it is. You may prefix it by something, but let's still not apologize and say what we want to say. I, I love that. And there's this, um, my partner is a uh, licensed counselor. And there's this thing where, Petra, she often says to me, I'm tired of sorries. <laughs> I think there's a lot of truth to that. And I think what we, what we really need to do, and I'm going to steal her thunder on this because it's really brilliant, is that we really, in situations where maybe it's a tough situation, I know you used a tennis example, so maybe not in that particular situation, but maybe there is a situation that would warrant a sorry, but you get to a point where you're just tired of it you're tired of the sorries and they're almost empty because it's knee jerk reaction. Right. And that's really a waste. It's a waste of everyone's time and energy. Now repairing genuine repairing is something completely different. That's not a sorry. It's, you know what, here's what I did. I'm going to own that because I'm a, a woman of integrity and own it and not blame. And here's what I'm going to do different next time. Here's what I'm going to do to help ensure it doesn't happen again. Or here's what I'm going to do to what I think will actually make it better. 
Yes. Um, and, and bring this back to the tennis court. If I not intentionally uh, kind of hit the ball at somebody, I always try to hit the, the feet, but sometimes you cannot avoid that you hit the ball at somebody. Then I would say, I am sorry, but this is what you call the repair. This is really truly meant, I'm sorry. And I'm, I will not do that again. And this was not intentionally. So that's in tennis, to bring it back to my previous example, is the I'm sorry because I made a mistake or I'm sorry I didn't mean to hurt you. I'm sorry. Well, I tell you what, Petra, I think it's about time to launch into the red line round. What the red line round is, is that it's five questions. There's no right or wrong answer to it. Whatever pops into your head first is the right answer. Okay. You ready? Sure. All right. Who or what has been your inspiration throughout your journey in the industry? Too many to mention. Um, If I mention two, this is my the person that actually was responsible for me to relocate to the United States, which happened to be a man. And I think he realized uh, that his six females in his team did a great job and he was supportive of all of us. And he trusted me with going to a country um, in a different culture with a different language. Next, where do you go or what resources do you use? when you want to learn something new or you get stuck? There is a network of people that I trust, that they will tell me the truth and they will um, build me up if I have to. And they will also tell me if I'm totally on the wrong way. So the trust, the trusted people, there are three or four in my life. And one of them is, Um, my husband uh, he will tell me absolutely um, what 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 I need to know without offering me solutions but there is a there is a network of three or four people that I would go to that I've built over the years that's awesome what excites you most about what you do people I love I love people I love connecting with people And what is a personal habit or practice that has helped you significantly in this industry when you feel stuck, unsupported, or discouraged? Personal habit is overcoming holding a grudge. When I was in my teens and early 20s, I was able to hold a grudge forever, and it was very, very much in my way. I still remember things, I still remember details, but I do not allow a grudge to be held against me, overcoming this holding a grudge. And I'm just curious, how did, how did you overcome that? I don't know. I, it, it was not overnight. I realized uh, in my early 20s that this is a trait that I did not like. And I, I probably was working on it every day. And eventually it went away. And today at my more mature age, the way I treat difficult situations, and let me use my husband again, we have a way of jokingly tell each other what we may not have liked just a minute ago. And when you do this in a joking way, you already have a smile on your face. 
you have a light conversation and guess what? The problem is much, much smaller or it even went away the way you said it. That's great advice. And then last but definitely not least, what is your parting advice to other femcanics finding their way in this skilled trades industry? I would like to have two answers. One is, uh, I'm, and I'm reading this here from Jay Dancy, and I mentioned one sentence before, your smile is your logo, your personality is your business card, how you leave others feeling after having an experience with you becomes your trademark. That's kind of a, um, a written or a read statement. My other parting advice would be be educated, show that you are educated and you can do things and be patient when it comes to being accepted and respected and set expectations. So well said, my friend. So well said. <laughs> How and where can people connect with you to leverage your wealth of knowledge? Um, I don't know what's uh, customary. I'm on Facebook. Um, you can, they can Google Collisionista. Somebody said, if I, go, if I Google Collisionista, you come up. Facebook, LinkedIn. Uh, I'm willing to give out my email or my phone number, what I would like to do this in a more uh, secure setting. I think Facebook's perfect. If they, what is the handle name on Facebook for them to type in? Uh, this is just my, my name, Petra, dot, uh, Petra Schröder. Petra Schröder. Sorry, I said it the German way. <laughs> no, no, you're perfectly fine. I'll have it in the show notes so they'll know how to spell it. <laughs> okay, okay. It sounds awesome in German. <laughs> way more interesting than the way I pronounced it. <laughs> no, you're doing fine. You're doing fine. Well, by the way, this whole interview is, is just, you, you, are, you have such a warming and warm and welcoming personality that it's easy to talk with you. I, I appreciate that very much. I've, I feel I have come home by doing this podcast. I, I, I really that, feel that yeah. it's home for me. I can see that. And Petra, thank you so much for being in the driver's seat today and sharing your vast, vast array of knowledge with current women in the industry, future state women in the industry. Uh, I feel very blessed to be able to provide a platform for you to provide some of this information to them. So thank you very much. Thank you. Petra Schroeder, Collisionista. I'm a femcanic. Jasmine Lawrence is in the driver's seat next. She is the founder and owner of Stiletto's Garage, a mobile automotive repair business. She works at Audi full-time while building her business on the side. Her dream is to inspire other minority girls and women to pursue the automotive industry. Together, we dive into what it's like to be an African-American woman in this industry. Be sure to tune in. Thanks for listening to the Femcanic Garage Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Femcanic Garage. Check out our website, femcanicgarage.com, for swag and the transcribes for each episode. If you want to help grow this community, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, share this podcast. Spread the word. This is Jamie B. signing off. Are you a femcanic?